You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Children of the living God, peace to you. It is so good to see your faces. Now, I know I can't see your face, but you cannot hide it. You are all children of God. I'm able to see that through the masks, through the screens, that God is present in your life, and we're so glad that you're here. So welcome all of you. Whether you're at home in your PJs, pass me some more of that egg scrambler, please, or here in your masks and your coats today. You know, I had an interesting beginning to a day uh, last week. I woke up with a dream. I had this dream that I got to meet one of my heroes, a famous person, and we were kind of eating to dinner together with a group of people, and I won't tell you who it is because Lawrence will make fun of me, but I started paying attention in this dream that I hadn't introduced myself to the famous person. I hadn't asked the question that you know, maybe lots of questions that you have whenever you meet someone that you really like. I didn't, I didn't ask any questions. I hadn't spent time telling them why they were so important in my life. And so I realized I wanted to approach them, but then I didn't know exactly what to say because I was in that frozen moment. Well, the dream, the dream goes on a bit, and I got into that state, perhaps you're familiar with it, when you, you're dreaming, and you know that you're dreaming, and you begin to realize, oh, there's a dream going on. This isn't real. Do you know what I'm talking about? So you're kind of in that in-between place. And I realized, okay, I better be prepared next time. Since this one's not real, I've got to be prepared for whenever I meet this person. And so I came up with this plan. This is still in this dreamlike state, that I was going to write a letter to the person. Write a letter, let them know, you know why I think they're important, uh, ask some questions, and then I was going to print it out, put it in my wallet. So if I met the person, I'd be able to give them the letter. Because you never know how much time you're actually going to be able to have with them. Are you going to be able to introduce yourself, or is it just going to be quick, or is it going to be lost? And so then I figured I would be prepared for this unexpected moment. Just a weird thing. You know, a weird way to begin a day. Weird way to begin uh, the, the, the start of a new year. And, you know, today we're in all kinds of beginnings. New, new beginnings. In fact, it's almost like there's newness all the time. And so, please allow me to welcome you to this new day of worship, this new week, this new year of 2021. Welcome you to what is ahead. I know it's cliche because last year we have said so many things about last year that we just couldn't have expected might transpire. And we don't know. We don't know what is ahead for us, but in this time of beginnings, a lot of us are preparing ourselves. We're getting ready. Last week over lunch, uh, as I began to make my salad, which is kind of my common lunch, she said, you know, all the salads were really sold out at the grocery store. She said, that tends to happen every year at January. And then Nathan 
spoke up and he said, yeah, back when I worked in Subway, they told me we have to bake extra wheat bread in January. And then Lizzie said, you know, there have been a lot of people out on the trails and walking, more so than normal. And it got me thinking. Back when, in my exercise classes, do you remember when we used to have those things? Yeah, okay, well, in January, man, packed out. Everyone is there. And it was kind of funny for us to think about all these threads from wheat bread to salad to exercise all being something that we focus on at the beginning of a year. You know, these beginnings, we have grand intentions. And sometimes by February or sooner, they and we haven't lived out these expectations and these beginnings that we intend. Well, I want you to know what you can expect today. What we're after over these next few weeks. Because we're looking at mission, which is to follow Jesus. That's our mission. Following Jesus. And what you can expect over the next three weeks is we're going to be looking at the beginning story of following Jesus. We're going to look at and, and unpack that, almost as if we're plotting on a map how we might follow Jesus and what that might look like. And each week, what I want to do is take a different gospel. We've got four gospel accounts, so I want to take a different one and look at a beginning story in that gospel of Jesus starting his mission and help all of us know how to walk with Jesus. Now, if you're new and you have no connection with Jesus at all. Following Jesus is maybe something you're just clicking to see what these strange Christians who get attributed to uh, doing a lot of things, you, you wonder what they're about. Well, if you're in that new category where you don't have many stories of Jesus that you know, I'm going to be providing things for you. If you're a longtime follower of Jesus, one who knows many stories about Jesus, and maybe even knows something of the history of this church, or of what Christians have been about for a long time, there's going to be stuff for you as well. For long-time Christians to deepen their walk in following Jesus Christ. Our mission is our identity. It tells us who we are. It tells us what we are about. And here at First Christian, we are people who follow Jesus. That's what we're about. That is what we do. Now I have to warn you, we, if you're looking for perfect people, if you're looking for people that don't make mistakes or have it all together, this is not the place for you. You're not going to find that. We are different people from one another. We differ. We have different perspectives. We disagree. Now I will say we are not a disagreeable people. We don't you know, work people over. We have a clear understanding of what brings us together. Our unity is in Jesus Christ. We have no other leader other than Jesus Christ. And that brings us together. Despite our many differences, despite our different backgrounds and different perspectives, we are certain that Jesus is our leader. So I just have to warn you that if you need someone that has it all together, you won't find that here. But you will find us together following Jesus.
So let's get started. Let's get started with a beginning story. If you don't mind joining me in standing, if you're able, there in your PJs and your slippers, or whatever you're wearing today here on Montgomery Boulevard. Our reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, fourth chapter, starting in verse 18. As he, this is Jesus, walks by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he, Jesus, said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets, and they followed him. And as Jesus went from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. The word of the Lord from the Gospel of Matthew. Thanks be to God. You know, this is an amazing story. It's one, those of us who are Christians may begin to feel like we were actually there because we're, we've heard it so much and it's in all of the Gospel stories. It's very familiar to us. And it's fairly atypical as Jesus calls disciples to Him. He's, he's just strolling along the Sea of Galilee. It's not even a sea, it's a lake. And he calls people to him. Now, rabbis don't normally do this. You don't normally call your own followers. The way it works is kind of like us in school. You, you know that you want a certification or you want to go to a particular school to learn a trade. Or there's a teacher that you like. And so you go and you choose the school, you pay your money and learn from that group of people. That's, that's how it works. It's the same in the ancient world. Disciples would come to the rabbi and learn from them. But Jesus is different. He comes to these two pairs of brothers and says, you, come and follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Well, this command to call comes with this promise of catching people, which on our ears sounds a little fishy. Catching people? Do we really want to do that? Sounds like entrapment. Like you're trying to drag them into something. Well, whenever you're drawn in to something, in this regard, you're drawn into the reign of God. You're drawn into the work that God is doing through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, what's happening is maybe something that's more familiar to us than we might think. Ancient teachers would give a, a brief teaching, you know, an axiom, a principle, a point. And then they would illustrate that point with a story or a narrative to explain how you do that. So there's a message, and then there's an example or a model. And in this case, the message is pretty simple. Verse 17 of, of chapter 4, that Jesus came to preach the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. People needed to repent or turn their lives around and enter the reign of God. That's, that's the message. It's really simple. 
You spit that little message out, you write it on a three by five card, but what comes is an example, a model of what that looks like in these brothers. That they drop everything, leave their careers, leave their families behind, and immediately begin to follow Jesus. In verse 19, this is where, one of the many places, we draw our mission here at First Christian. Because Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. That is the point. In verse 23, we get a description of what following Jesus looks like. What those early believers did. And the way it looked is crowds of people gather around Jesus, want to know what he's up to. They listen to the things that he taught and preached. And they watch as he cured every disease and sickness. And then they, like groupies, gather around and they go with him on tour to wherever place he goes. Whatever town, whatever region. Crowds of people gathering around to listen, to see him cure, and to be with him and go wherever he might go. Well, this typifies, this plots like maps on like dots on a map for us what our mission here is at first of being with jesus of doing the things jesus did saying the things jesus said and going everywhere that jesus goes so this week we're going to look really intently at the first one of those dots the b dot being everywhere with jesus the calling to follow jesus begins first and foremost with our desire to be present to the God who's present to us. To be present everywhere with Jesus. This awareness is a desire for us to live our lives with Jesus. Now, I want to take this further because this is what we're inviting everyone to do. It's what we at first do. It's like, come along. Come see how we're following Jesus. Come serve with us. Come worship God with us. Come be a part of a group with us at first. Come along. Let's do this together as we learn what it is to follow Jesus. Now, I think we almost have to sit down at our drafting table and figure out more carefully what this looks like. What would be the contours of following Jesus? If you're a math person, maybe we need a math formula to be able to action how is one follows Jesus. Or maybe you need a story, a narrative, or a verbose description of what it means to be with Jesus. Well, we're taking this first one, this being everywhere with Jesus and going a little bit further with it. Well, first and foremost, we are inviting Jesus to be a part of our lives. Yeah. We are inviting Jesus to come with us to work. To join with us in the car. To come into the kitchen with us in whatever we're doing. To join with us in the video session that we're logging into. Whether that's for school, or for therapy, or for business. We are imagining, not in the sense of projecting, but imagining and understanding that we're living our lives being present with Jesus. That we're going into business about the tasks that we have to do. The business that we must attend to, and we're doing it with Jesus. 
That's a very important step. Now pretty quickly we think, ah, I can't do that. I am a sinner. Folks, God only works with sinners. Do you understand that? I know we're in a church, and so it's easy to think that we're a bunch of really good people, but God works with sinners. That's, that's how God does this. And He invites us to go into business with Him. The presence of Jesus in the world shows us this, that His intent is to live with us and experience life together with us. So we're not looking for you to become the perfect, idealized vision of yourself, but now, today, begin walking with Jesus and living your life together with the one who is the Lord and Master of all. Well, you might just have to take a deep breath and breathe in. Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. Take a deep breath and not think about the ways that you've not followed Jesus, but to breathe in of Jesus in this present moment, in the ordinary and in the real. We're kind of in some ordinary time right now. The gifts have been given. The candles have been snuffed out. The lights are down. Maybe down. Christmas trees possibly put away. Eh. I mean, all that's left now is paying the bills. The memories. We're in this ordinary time, and it's into this time that we invite Jesus to be present with us. Now, it's called a lot of different things. People in the past, like Leslie Weatherhead, have called this the transformative friendship, where you imagine your life in friendship with Jesus. Or the unnamed monk, possibly Lawrence, Brother Lawrence, who writes about practicing the presence of God. It's just a, an uneducated monk who washes dishes in the kitchen and does so practicing the presence of God. There are lots of ways that people have described this. If, if you're a math person, Frank Lobaugh, who was a, a missionary to the Philippines when he was living, had this thing called the game with minutes, where he imagined every minute as an opportunity to think of and to serve God to be present to God. There's lots of different ways that we could experiment. And I, and I hesitate to say too many examples because I want you to be creative with how you might live your life with God. You know, it makes me sad whenever uh, well-meaning Christians think about this life as pretty much a dumpster fire. That it's just fit to be thrown away, it's ready for the recycling bin when God makes the new heavens and the new earth. Now, I get it. You know, we're all groaning. We see what all goes on around us and we're ready for that new creation. But what makes me sad is whenever Christians use it as a chance to kind of check out, to be passive, to think we're kind of in this waiting room or we're just waiting until the afterlife, in that medical clinic, in the great by and by, when God will take away all of our diseases and make everything great. That's the part that grieves me. Because it causes people to be passive, not active. It causes them to check out and just default all the good that should be done in the world off to God. And I know, we walk around the alleys of our world and we see the meanness. We see 
the, the, the ways that we're bound up by addictions of all kinds. We see the ways we give our bodies away in ways that harm ourselves. And we just think, ah, it's terrible. And I get it. I get it that we're groaning. But this life matters. And while it's true that corruption has entered into the world, that corruption didn't destroy the world. It doesn't make this world all terrible and bad. When God made it, He said that it was good. When He made us, that we were very good. See, there's an important principle here. The incarnation, the coming of Jesus in the flesh in this world, changes things. It changes how we view our bodies and our lives. To know that God views us as God's children and sees us as good. So how do, how do we do this? Well, again, we take in that deep breath. Breathing in the Holy Spirit. Breathing in the power of Jesus. And when we have to look in the eyes of that boss that looked over us for the promotion, when we have to look at that coworker who's stabbed us in the back so many different times, when we have to deal with that family member who's so obstinate, it doesn't matter what point we take, they're going to take the opposite point. They're, they're always going to be against us. Okay, all of those people and more become an opportunity for prayer. Now, I don't mean prayer in the sense of, oh, God, please fix them. My family member, they're just terrible. No, no. I'm talking about something internal in you where you're praying for that boss and the family member and that obstinate coworker that you have. That God would do well by them. That God would take care of them. You're praying God's best for your opponent. Hmm. Would that not make a difference in today's world? Rather than villainizing our enemies, we pray for them. I, I can't remember who said that. Pray for those who persecute you. How can Christians lead the world in being present to Jesus and following Him as our leader? Do we understand this? Do we understand, believers, who our leader is? Are we willing to live in the way that He lived? Sacrifice and giving Himself for others. Breathing in the Holy Spirit power. Now, I have to be honest with you. I've shown you the, the glitzy and wonderful passage, Matthew chapter 4. I wish we could read the whole book of Matthew. How much time do you have today? Would you like to spend some time reading the whole book? Now, this might be a good thing for you to do in the new year, to read the story, one account of how people follow Jesus. But if I'm honest, I have to point you to Matthew chapter 10. When Matthew uh, relates what happens with Jesus where he takes these followers who are mainly following him and learning and calls them to something more, sends them, sends them to be apostles. It's the same type of thing that he's been doing all along to gather in the presence of Jesus, to speak the words of Jesus, to cure and pronounce the authority of Jesus, and to go into new regions. It's basically the same thing. But then he says, whoever wants to be my follower has to take up their cross 
follow me. If you're wanting to find your life, you have to lose it. Matthew 10, 38 and 39. Now that's not quite the shimmering on the water of the Galilee story. That's a little rough around the edges. That's calling us into this life of sacrifice and denial. And it lets us know that this is not just some life improvement plan. We don't just sprinkle a little Christianity on our otherwise great lives. We're called to something. We're called to be more than what we've been before. And with longtime followers of Jesus, I've got to push us here, because if we expect that things are just going to be the same, we might be in trouble. If we expect our marriage to be the same, our doctrine to be the same, our practice of faith to be the same, our church to be the same, folks, we may not be in the presence of Jesus at all. We may be creating something of our own likeness. If we've got this airtight understanding of who God is, maybe we've lost sight of the fact that God wants us, all of us, to grow, to change. So, if you want to just stay the same, then this following Jesus thing may not be for you. Back in the fall when we were doing some teasers, I, I asked you a question. And you've probably forgotten it. I know the leaders have been thinking about this question a lot over the last year. How is it that we intend to follow Jesus? What does that look like? For you personally, how is it that you intend to follow Jesus? I think too often we require so little of ourselves. We set the bar so low, and then we can't even trip over it because it's just too easy and we don't even step over that low bar. Following Jesus calls us to something much stronger, much more, much more challenging, and much more prone to change us at the very core of our being by the only relationship that can transform us, the one with the true and the living God. Back in the fall, Don and I met with two different groups through the fall, and we were, we were just going through life with them, challenging them to think about leading in groups at First Christian. We've had groups here for a long time, and many of you have led groups, and uh, we were inviting people to think about what that would look like, and I'm, I'm pleased to say that many people stepped up into that role of wanting to lead because they knew that they're going to be following Jesus. There, this is one example of many of what it might look like to go through life together with other believers here at First Christian who are committed to becoming like Jesus Christ. We follow Him. Be in the presence of Jesus. Well, I have to tell you, you know, another little part about my dream that I mentioned. I've, got, I've been hung up on that dream for a while. You know, what do you make of that? Not being able to tell your hero something. And I, and I had a realization of, you know, am I thinking about my father who died? Were there things that I wanted to say that I didn't get to say? That, that could be. Um, no doubt, all of us who face death realize that you never do get to do and say all that you want to. There's never enough time, right? This is a common experience. But for me, I haven't been troubled by that. There aren't 
things that I wished I could have done with my dad or things that I wished I could have said because those things were said. My dad taught me to be present. To be present. To say the hard thing when it needed to be said. To speak with the head, speak with the heart. To not wait for the opportunity to share, but to go ahead and do it to take that step, make the phone call, do that deed now. And I think that teaches me something about what it is of being in the presence of Jesus. Where we live our lives very active in the moment we are in to live with Jesus. Not concerned about past failings. Not obsessed with somebody else's failings. But worried about living in the presence of Jesus now. Because in this story, we have this amazing little teaching about God's reign coming in the form of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven available to us. And all we have to do is enter it. And we see these stories of these pairs of fishermen who do it. Immediately drop everything and follow the Master, the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah. That is an amazing story of seeking the presence of Jesus and one that we can take as we face any task, as we deal with any situation in our family or in our business place. Be everywhere with Jesus. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you, thank you for these stories that show us the magnitude, the depth of Jesus' spoken word, but also the power of what it is to follow Jesus. God, we need you to, to breathe those words on us. We need you to fill our lungs with a sense of your presence. To know that you are Lord, that you are our leader, and we have no other leader of importance beside you. God, help us when we get distracted. Help us to be people committed to, surrendered to, not our own will, but your will. We thank you for the life of Jesus that we share together, and we pray all these words in his name. Amen.